How are you guys doing today? It's been quite the exciting weekend for both of you. For different reasons, obviously. I mean, I'll go into it later, but uh, my current mood is... Uh, so I've been crying a lot. It's been happening. Um, I'm, I'm real happy about my team. Real happy about my bets. Because your boy out here making stupid decisions and winning back the money. Just like I have always done in my life. Um, shout out to that triple crown I won. Uh, but, Brayden, how you feeling, my man? Yeah, not great. <laughs> <laughs> that so was quite been, a steep change. Rough, it's been a rough weekend. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it's been a rough weekend for you. It's been a rough weekend for BAR. Not being the most exciting times with the decision at the Tottenham Sheffield United game, the decision then the Liverpool game. I mean, I'm I'm fully ready to embrace the hate and embrace everything that's going to come my way as far as the VAR decision for us went. Uh, I'm also ready to go in uh, on that Tottenham Sheffield, but I think I think we got a lot of stuff to talk about in these matches. So all right, you know, then let's get let's get cracking with the first game of the weekend, Friday night kickoff. Norwich playing Watford. Well, well, well. De La Feu gets a goal 80 seconds in. Uh, fantastic run from him. Uh, this is a real, real six-pointer. Uh, well, because, okay. I expected more from Norwich. I, 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 I am going to pose a question from both of you. Mm-hmm. And uh, sorry to cut you off, Braden. And sorry to not let you speak any more nonsense. Other oh, will. <laughs> um, I was prepared. <laughs> As of right now, I think we have talked about this week after week. Our admiration for Norwich's game is going a little bit down because of the results that they have been getting. And don't you think if they don't change something quick, whether it is the manager going off or like just something changing, or their players getting fit again, this is not. They are one of the. They are not one of the. They are the worst team in the league right now. I. So I've been preaching on like the Norwich backline. Watching that game, there was so much space in the back for the defense. Like I don't like. There are so many questions I have to ask. Braden, what you got? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. So I actually don't. We we've talked about Watford and waiting for them to kind of impress and waiting for them to do something this year. And, and maybe this is the start of doing that. I, I take a little bit more of. I think this was Watford coming out and maybe showing. I don't turn to corner is probably not the right word, uh, but it's a, it's a step in the right direction for them a little bit. Uh, and worse for Norwich for me for the than just the results. I, I think they're looking like they are a team that just can't create anything anymore. Yeah, they they came out at the start of the year. We're playing a very free flowing game, very offensive game, and that's just not there right now. Uh, I, I will just add to that. I think one of the biggest things for Norwich has been their goals have been really drying up over the last couple of weeks. Team Pukki is on nothing on fantasy football for all fantasy football. <laughs> had scored in six, seven matches, I believe. Yeah, and I think more than just that, this was a game where if they win this, they, they're at home and they could have done something special. And this is the team that beat Man City. And maybe it was a different day. Maybe it was different players who were playing. But when you think about it, it, Norwich right now is a team that if you cannot beat Watford, who are supposed to be one of the other worst teams at home, I don't necessarily know where their season's going. And I I would love to talk to a Norwich fan and see what their opinion is. But I, I just think their injuries have not been kind to them. And overall, fixtures... At one point, we were like, hey, they play all the big teams. They're going to struggle, but they'll come back. Now they're kind of... Uh, it's, like I said, watching the match, Norwich had so much space in the back for Watford to run into. I I know I keep preaching. I'm like, well, Norwich is still missing their back line. If their back line right now from their manager is getting this instruction... Uh, Big holes on big holes on the left and right. They kind of play a little bit narrow. It looked weird to me. I, we, you know, the the, the hashtag Watford looked like shit. Watford looked like a team who were willing to fight for a like fight to not be relegated. Nor it's like a team who are not going to be able to stand up to it. So I'm slowly starting to feel like Norwich is going to be at the bottom of the table. You need to put a hundred bucks on Norwich. So. 
I mean, I know I did, and that's why I was trying to uh, explain why I I picked Pookie <laughs> for five. Also, so yeah, fuck that. Um, also, Andre Gray, shout out, tremendous goal, loved it. Very good goal. Any final words from you, Braden, on that? Yeah, no. I mean, we all got this one wrong. <laughs> we <laughs> did. We granted. I will. Say I was that, more wrong. <laughs> not, not, none of us really thought that Watford could actually score two goals. Correct. Even if scoring one was good enough, mm-hmm. I, once I saw two, I was like, okay. But good on them. Next team, another team that I think a lot of people underestimated early on in the season, Chelsea at home. Very, very, very comfortable win. I bet 300 on that. Braden bet 250. I, I'm going to go back to what I said before. I think they are taking the Premier League as the most serious competition. I think they want to finish top four as top four and not make the Champions League through other means. And Lampard, at the end of the day, he was a midfielder. And I think that Chelsea midfield is up there with the best midfields in the league right now. What do you think, Brain? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a whole lot to like from Chelsea's game. And maybe you can talk a little bit about Crystal Palace not showing up as they should have, although they've had a good first half. But Chelsea created the most chances from open play. They had three big chances missed. Like Chelsea was pretty much all over them. From the start, even if the even if the stats didn't really, or even if the game and the results don't necessarily look like that, Chelsea were a really impressive team in this game. Uh, Crystal Palace looked like a solid mid-table team to me. Not a lot going forward, but they can hang heavy in defense yeah. and kind of like leave like points will be left on the board against Crystal Palace because their defense is so stout. Shout out to the home boy K- Gary Cahill. I'll never say that again. Um, <laughs> Good on Lampard, by the way, for uh, winning the manager of the month. And, you know, he is deserving, completely deserving. And and, and I honestly think if we're looking at it on the form basis, last five games, Chelsea is the only uh, like winning the last five games. Yeah. So they are doing something special. And I think they will have a big, big test uh, test when City comes to town. Yeah. But at the same time, I think this. There are two ways a new manager goes about doing things. You either get results against all the small teams and build up so that in a couple of years you get results against the big teams. Exactly. Or else you get results against the big teams, the way Klopp did, and you build a team like that. Frank Lampard, at the end of the day, has lost two games against Manchester United. He Mm -hmm. lost against Liverpool at Mm -hmm. home. So this is really his... Big game to make a mark, I guess. This, this is coming out. It's, it's, just, it's just coming out like experience. Everybody's so, been saying that for a long time. So I'm going to have a slightly dissenting opinion. I, I, I do think that Chelsea have been far superior to what I thought they'd be at this time this year. But looking over the last few games, you had this game against Crystal Palace at home. You had Watford away, who's we just talked about might be getting relegated this year. It's going to have to fight for that. Yeah. Uh, then you had Burnley away, which Burnley can play well at home. So I don't, I don't want to take anything away from too much on that one. And then they had Newcastle at home. I mean, these are not, these are games that you would expect them to win. And they're doing that, which credit to them. That's what you have to do. Yeah. But I, I don't necessarily know that they are as, um, ironclad nailed on for top four is everyone seems to be saying right now. So let me ask you guys a question because I wrote this out earlier and I just want a very quick answer about it. Who's more important than this team? Willian or Mason Mount? Because I'm fully on board the Willian train. I feel like he's kind of the elder statesman in the team. I feel like he kind of leads that midfield going forward. I know there's a lot of arguments for Mason Mount. Um, there's a lot of American opinions for Chris and Pulisic being an important part of that team, but I won't listen to you right now because it's been three games. Y'all chill. Um, but I think that Willian is kind of a hashtag linchpin of this team who can turn his hold-up play is fantastic. The dude can always find a ball and he wants to. He can dip in a free kick. Mason Mount has not proven as much. I think Willian is kind of a thing that this team needs going forward. If he gets injured, that becomes kind of a risk. How do you guys feel? I'll let you take it first, Finn. I very much disagree with that. I think the team that Chelsea are building is built on youth. And Mason Mount, having played the last year with Frank Lampard, has become a very important piece for that team to work the way they need to. And especially with him being playing in that number 10 role, pulling the strings. I think 
he's the one when you look at them, they're creating big chances. They have chances every game. And they I think he's playing a very important role. And not to say that Willian is not. I think Willian is the kind of player that a Man United is missing. Um that, you know, an experienced player who can still deliver mm-hmm. and keep going. But at the same time, I think overall right now, if I had to pick one to continue the team with, it would rather be Mason Mount than William. Yeah, I don't I don't necessarily know that's a question, though. Like, I think that right now... Like, by going, more important, I'm assuming right now to the team, if I had to keep one, who would I keep? So, if you had to... Well, sure, if you had to keep... That's I mean, where I was the question, yeah. William's, what, like 30... 31 or so. I forget, same age as I am. I forget, I forget his exact age, but he's, I mean, his best years are certainly behind him. Yeah. I, I don't think it's hard to say you should keep Mason Mount with the two going forward, but if you had to win a game tomorrow, I kind of see what Will's saying there about William kind of being a glue piece that can be a little bit more consistent of a performer while, you know, you mentioned Pulisic. He has... He had a rough start of the year. It looks like he's going to set the world on fire now. Yeah. Same with Mason Mount. Like Mason Mount, I think, had a much stronger start to the season. It's kind of cooled a little bit in the last few games. And so I think that – I think with some of the younger players, you'll naturally have some peaks and valleys. And I think Williams a little bit more consistent performance for right I see, now. I see a bit of a – not to compare them to hashtag shitty um, – a bit of David Silva – in uh, William, where he might be able to play for a lot longer, just being able to provide balls and stuff like that. Like, I don't think his best years are beyond him. I think he still has some very, very good, solid years. And if he's done doing anything crazy and stays with Chelsea, I think that could be something that could help their team going forward. Mason Mount is still young and still has to prove himself. Or he's proven himself enough. He needs to prove himself more. Uh, I just think William's more important for right now for what Chelsea is going for, which at this point could be maybe taking a stab at the boys in red and the boys in blue that's not Sky for the title. So, yeah. Sure. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I, 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 I genuinely don't know what to say to you because I... Suppose I'm going to throw a shoe in my head. I had to take it out of his hand. It's fine. <laughs> William is just not the kind of player that David Silva ever was. And... <sighs> Yeah, I fully agree with that. <laughs> like, like David Silva always had that pass on him. That whether he played on the left mid, whether he played as an attacking midfielder, he could do. Even William, when he was at Valencia. Even when he was at Valencia. Yeah, he's been at City for what, a decade almost now. Yeah. So yeah. when he was at Valencia, back when I was in high school. Or I guess middle school at that point. So we are old, Sapoon. You stop that. <laughs> well, I mean, you got to let the youth come through, man. Yeah. Don't hold I, on to it. Let, let Mason Mount come through. Don't hold on to William. But on that point, I will say, do you guys agree that Chelsea are the second best team on form right now in the league? That's probably fair, yeah. Chelsea and Leicester are 1A and 1B. That's, yeah. Leicester haven't beaten anyone. You're right. I still stand by my statement. Big, <laughs> that's a big statement coming from an Arsenal fan. But no, it's not. Go- <laughs> Yowza. <laughs> going on to... The next two teams who played this game, I will genuinely say this. West Ham United had one of the best starts of the season I had seen them have in a while. And all of a sudden, it's all coming crumbling down again. Granted, Burnley at home, we've talked about this over and over again. Very different team at home. Very different. Put West Ham to the business. Got the result. Turf Moor stays a fortress. What do you think? Turf, Turf Moor is a fortress because there was kind of a to get the corner from the goal on kind of a dodgy VAR VAR call for Burnley. You got to know the name of your best player on your team. Come on, I, first off, <laughs> first off, rude but factual. Um, I do think Burnley get a little bit lucky, but I do think this is more about West Ham's form. Um, they've They've dropped more points being informed. They've they've lost four in the last five. They lost one in the last 11 before. I always say this. This is more indicative of West Ham than it is of Burnley. Burnley are another one of those teams who is just a Crystal Palace. They're solid. They're mid-table. They have a great defense. Love, their, love them going forward. They kind of look really exciting. This is more about West Ham United and the sixth best manager in the Premier League, Manuel Pellegrini, being able to get his boys up to play two opponents that they need to play to. 
You can go up and play Manchester United, Arsenal, Liverpool, yada, 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 everything you want to, but you need to be playing to the Burnleys and to these teams who are dangerous in the mid-table, and he needs to get his boys ready for that because they looked a bit outclassed today. So, or that day. They're on 16. <laughs> today and having a day. Just a just the point before um, Braden goes on, they're five points ahead of relegation right now. Yeah. Manchester United were two points ahead of relegation, so it doesn't say a lot this early <laughs> in the season. But It's starting to, though. It's Yeah, it's it's starting to get to the point where you're starting to see the teams shuffle into their own yeah. positions. And what do you think about that? Uh, so when I, when I looked at this uh, Burnley-West Ham game, at a very quick glance, they looked fairly even except for the score although when you when you look at it a little closer you know Burnley had 18 touches in the box West Ham had 16 that's fairly even but Burnley got nine shots on goal inside the box to West Ham's two and that really tells you where the game is Burnley was able to get the ball in there and do something with it West Ham just didn't and when you don't take shots you generally don't score as Solskjaer said if you don't fucking shoot you won't fucking score. <laughs> that was a terrible Norwegian Indian accent right there, but yes, I'm I'm impressed. That's big from you. It's big <laughs> so uh, I don't really have too much to add. I kind of want to move on to the next game. Kind of want to move on to. I want to move on to Newcastle. I want to talk about Newcastle. I have. I want to move on to Newcastle because I'm an American, and you know your boy Yedlin showed up, scored a goal. And I'm really excited about it. But what I'm more excited about is my favorite stat right now. Steve Bruce's first win against Bournemouth ever. How many times do you think he's played Bournemouth? According to my stats, he's uh, he's played he's managed at least 300, 400 Premier League games. He's never beat Bournemouth. He should have run them to this point and he should have beat them. He's played them nine something times and not beat them. So, like, that's kind Did of my time. Is tough place to go? Manchester United lost their. He played some of those away. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying. I, I I think you you have been very critical of um, Steve Bruce since the beginning, and not just because he's a Manchester United boy. Not at all. Uh, not I, at all. I I think there. He's been a good manager for Newcastle. Yes, he's not used Amaron the way he's supposed to be, and yes, that's not even, as an yeah. Atlanta United fan, you can get all in your feelings about that. No, no, no. But Newcastle. Good, good, good job, good job. Are you are you gonna give my boy Yellen a shout out? No, I don't really <laughs> care about American soccer that much. So, I, I'm sorry. Uh, this is still fraudulent. Newcastle is still. <laughs> new, it's just, Bournemouth had over sixty five percent of the possession. Yeah. Like, Try me a river, Pep Guardiola out there. Sure, <laughs> but like Bournemouth missed two big chances. And Newcastle missed three, so I mean they did create some chances. But it should be I just, five, three at that point. Yeah, but I mean you would only expect a fifty percent conversion rate on big chances. Huh? Can so. I can I add a random thing in here? Uh, Saint Maxian, if you have if you need apparently he's playing out the wing. If you need a winger for your fantasy team, I think he might be kind of decent. I think Newcastle are going to be in the goals. They're still going to lose a bunch of games because they're. I, I don't quite know if they're going to be in the goals. No. I don't want to say in not. the goals, but no, I think Maxime... They're not. <laughs> Ma- I, it, the team has... Like, they have guys up... Like, most of their goals have been scored from, like, guys behind the ball. So, like, I'll, t- I'll tell you what... I Newcastle think their, their forwards need time to get it together. Th- there are times when teams have a very high expected goal against, and they have not such a high expected goals for them. And they're still out there balling out every week and getting the results that you think they can't. And at some point, it catches up to them. And I think for Newcastle, it's good that they're getting the results. I want to see them stay up. Mike Ashley, at the end of the day, is a terrible owner. But they have some really tough games coming up. They have Aston Villa away. They have Man City at home. Sheffield United away. Southampton at home. That shouldn't be tough. Burnley away. (laughs) It's going to be a tough game. Crystal Palace, Man United. So the tough fixtures are coming. And... I, I don't know about Man United because we lost them. But, um, <laughs> again, I think it's going to come down to whether or not they can keep this form up. And with the stats, I don't think they will. But it'll be intriguing. Most of Newcastle's goals have come from their defenders. Their attacking front, the guys they have in front of the ball, like the midfielders and that attacking front, haven't done fuck all this season. 
like, I would, like, I, I think there's a little bit more to be expected from these guys up front. I'm not just saying that because I'm like, oh, God, like, St. Maxi and Almiron, I think they have better players in the midfield up front than they give them credit for. The defenders are just getting really lucky and scoring all the goals. See, I, I think they have time. I, I disagree. I think this is what Steve Bruce did at Hull, too. Oh, that's true. Like, it, it, this is the style. And so I... I don't know. I mean, if you can, if you can ride on, be good at set pieces. You can, you can scrape together some games and, and, you know, maybe get enough points to stay up. But I just, to me, it's asking to be on the wrong side of variance when you know things don't go your way. I I I completely agree with that. I think at some point, when you're not creating enough, when you're not doing enough, it catches up to you. Yeah. And Newcastle, I think at some point, is going to catch up to them. Maybe not right now, but again, hey, I think if, they might if, be able, if they're getting the results, man, good for them. I think they might be able. I think what I'm trying to get at, they might be able to create, and and I think we need to see that happen. So, all right, moving on to the next game, Southampton against Everton. William Webb, you bet on Everton, the good side of Merseyside. Fuckers, what's up? Um, my biggest takeaway from this match, one. Richarlison decided he wanted to know how to score. Um, but two, uh, Hassan Huntel, is he, is, he, is he under fire now at Southampton? Like, he's supposed to be the, mm-hmm. you know, he's supposed to be the, if there are under-23s, he's supposed to be the clock for them and the passion, the fire. This team ain't showed me fuck all. They have not shown me a goddamn thing. Everton, full marks to you, you won't get relegated. This is more indicative of Southampton. I think that if you're talking about teams who are going to get relegated, you could talk about Norwich, Watford, Brighton, yada, yada, yada all day. Southampton needs to be in that conversation because until they start scoring points, until they until Danny Ings bangs in 20, which is never going to happen, they're, they're dead in the water. St. Mary's is a lovely stadium. Love y'all. It's, it's fucking done. Like, I think Southampton's relegation fodder at this point. I feel like I've said that Southampton are going to get relegated this year for the past three years. I just really like so. Danny Ings. Right. And then they <laughs> always turn around when they beat Arsenal in the festive period. Oh, Christ. <laughs> and then it, it all comes around for I mean, I don't know. I, I fully agree with you. I was expecting a stronger performance from uh, the Southampton game and expecting yeah. them to come back and play for some pride. It just didn't happen. Uh, Southampton had one chance created from open play this game. That's just never going to win you a game. Yeah. It's just not. Yeah, completely true. Um, where does Southampton uh, go from here? Because I don't quite know what is going to happen. And we can talk about this in the future, but coming up, final game for the first segment of this podcast. Chris Wilder is our gaffer. He'll lead us all the way. Whatever you all say. Ale, ale, ale. <laughs> Sheffield United should have won that game. That VAR call was absolute, absolute horseshit. Booty, oh, booty, booty. Hold on. He was offside. By how much? Does that matter? He was offside. Yeah. If, if for me, that that VAR call seems the most bullshitty thing in the entire world. And Braden, you saying that being an Arsenal fan, not defending Tottenham, but kind of like, eh, I get it. It is offside, but it is offside by like this motherfucker's like, f- like his bangs were the reason he was offside. Sure, but why that, does that matter? Because Sheffield were the better team on the entire day no, and they so, deserved so, 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 so that. They were the better is, team on the entire that day. That is absolutely not why I think that's the case. I, I think it was a bullshit call because like, I, I, I don't think if that's again, I am not questioning the call as much as I'm cons- questioning the consistency because there's a game mm. in, we're going to talk about later on. <laughs> Very similar situation. And I, di- I did not even get a VAR view of that. So uh, I, 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 th- I think there are questions to be asked about VAR. Was he offside? Yes. However, I have seen goals like that given. Sure, and that, is, that is where my problem with VAR lies. I need consistent... VAR is important to remove... All the questions. I'm not. Even, I'm not even give you a whole like statement. On the I game. think you on VR is kind of tiptoeing right now. No, I'm, no. But I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say this, and I'm gonna stand by it. 
And this includes the match that we will cover later that you all know I'm super passionate about. And it includes this game. Why in the absolute fuck, as the ref, are you not going to that television to at least have a view for yourself? Why are you letting someone else tell you? You are the man in charge I don't, of I don't that think match. In that, I don't think in that case it you matters. Have to go to this, you have to. Why does he need to go there? Because it's that close. Because it's either offside or it's not. Offside, yeah, offside exactly. is not. Yeah, offside is not a not a like a quality call the way a you're handball not, is. Yeah, you're not. You're you're not wrong. He's either offside or he's not. Whether referee should go more to the TV and look at it, we There's, can discuss so it. We, so we are going to have a podcast, by the way, for everyone interested <laughs> about just VAR. But I think in in an offside case, he's either offside or he's not, and I don't think the referee. Deserves any shot because so even, even if he is offside, he doesn't get a call. That's so. I, good. Who's making? No wait. Who's making that call on the ground? No one's making. No one made that call on the ground. I, no, no, no. When it's offside, who's making the call? It's the the, the official. The linesman. Yeah, the linesman. So at, at the end of the day, it's not the referee's call. So he does not deserve a look again. The guy who deserves a look should have been the linesman at that point. Okay, I will argue that that's a fair point. That's a completely fair point. So if the linesman gets another look, that's fine. But I also think that there's... But we also don't want a three-hour soccer game. So what do, what do you think, Rick? <laughs> so, I, I mean, so I first want to make the point that uh, the referee, PGMOL, came out and said that they are instructing referees to go look at the on-pitch monitor more uh, going forward, which... I'm happy to see that. You know, it's kind of weird that this is a mid-season director. Why were they not told this to like the beginning of the season? I, I mostly agree with that. I, I think that's odd. But I, I kind of feel like this is... I'm not sure exactly what the correct interpretation of offside is here. Is it... Should it be just offside is offside? And if you're... I mean, it really looked like the little bit of your index toe that sticks out past the fat toe. Yeah. It, it was the part that was offside. I, and But if that's offside, then it's offside. And so VAR got it right. What's frustrating is it took around four minutes to figure it out. Time that Southampton could have used to score two. Well, Sheffield, but yes. Sheffield, you know what I mean. But well, yeah, I mean, that's, that's yeah. a real no, thing. I, it's well, just, I can't. I really can't understand. There's a lot to be done with the offsides with this, and I think there's more judgment calls that need to be made. I think VR is intruding too much now. So, so uh, with that, I think we'll bring it to an end for the first segment of the podcast. I don't think VR is intruding too much. I think VR needs to be correctly intruding. So with that, we'll see you on the second segment. What's up, guys? Second part of the podcast. Starting off with a banger. Bangers that uh, Jamie Vardy always scores. But this one was a very Arsenal-like goal against Arsenal and King Power. Leicester City to Arsenal nil. My only notes of this game were Leicester are great, Arsenal are not. And um, I don't really know what else to say, so I'm going to come to you, Braden, first. Yeah. I don't know. Like I, I think that uh, it's that's Arsenal's just a bad team right now. Like they, they are just a team that's in complete disarray. They, they clearly have leadership issues uh, that are kind of fracturing the dressing room. If you've read any of what uh, Ornstein's had to say on uh, the Athletic and that article, uh, the Jaka thing has not gone over well, and it's just. So a lot of people have come out and refuted claims. A lot of the claims, uh, I wouldn't, I shouldn't say a lot. A few of the claims that Ornstein made in those in that in the athletics. So yes, which you would expect, and I think that sort of almost There's some truth. hundred percent true. You think so? <laughs> yeah, like I, I think that I think that he was maybe given information that per, per, that puts forth a certain point of view, and maybe that's not the point of view that's held by everyone. But I think there's, I think there's definitely truth to that. Uh, but going back to the game and not talking about the wider collapse of Arsenal as, you know, a team that is going to do anything ever again. Um, just Leicester were just a lot better than Arsenal in this game. There's not really any other way to put it. They had, you know, a lot more chances. They put away those chances. Arsenal looked good for maybe 20 minutes or so. Beyond that, it. And when I say look good, that's relative to what Arsenal has looked like 
recently. It's not really good. It's just, oh, this is better than what they did against Sheffield. So, yeah, this seems good. Well, I think we all picked Leicester to win the game. I think you picked a draw. I picked a draw, yes. um, I didn't pick Leicester to win. I picked Arsenal. Yeah. Oh, wait. I'm an idiot. I apologize. Um, I'm an idiot right now. (laughs) That's okay. Um, We all look like idiots when we win. And unlike some other people, we put our money where our mouth is and before the game and not after the game. (laughs) Our virtual money where where our mouth is. (laughs) Yes. It's not real real money. for everybody. Um, I think Arsenal are in a very interesting spot because it reminds me a lot of Louis Van Gaal right now. Where uh, football is not the best thing in the club right now. And you're having a lot of questions of, hey, fire the manager. This is going to work. This is going to work. Where where do you see this go, Will? And what are your thoughts on that game? Because I think Leicester just outplayed Arsenal. And as Braden put it, there isn't really much more to that game other than just Leicester being very good even after losing Harry Maguire. I mean, uh, coming into this game and watching this game live... Uh, I kind of, and Brayden, no disrespect to you, I kind of wanted to watch the stock of Leicester. One of my notes I have is that if you kind of hassle Leicester as far as they go pressing, if you can find a way to counter that, it gets a little shaky for them. Uh, Arsenal did it like un poquito times at the very beginning, uh, and they kind of look shaky. If you do that to them more of the game, that might be something they can do. Uh, as far as Leicester concerned, I really don't have too much to say about y'all because y'all look real good. Um, again, so Yochu, in place of a Harry Maguire, kind of looks like a dope upgrade. No offense to you, Spoon, but like... We'll talk about it in the next game. We'll talk about it in the next game. But um, as far as Arsenal are concerned, the, the the back five, the back four... Unai Emery changed his... The back, the back line is just not working. His back line. He changed the entire formation of the team, and then they still didn't perform. Or changed a little bit. He changed most of the players and a little bit so, of the formation style. But like any, because they the way they were set up that I saw from NBC was that they were playing a back three and then they kind of fell back to a bigger back line and they still. I said it last week with Tottenham and no offense to you again. They played the same way where they kind of came narrow and uh, Lester was really really good about exposing it out on the outside. They weren't even playing that narrow. They kind of just got outrun sometimes, too, from what I can see. So, like, I don't... I'm defaulting to you again, Brayden. Those are my thoughts. Yeah, so I think that the primary thing isn't... It has very little to do with formation, I think. I think the key thing is right now is there's not a discernible style of what Arsenal want to do as a team. And so, like, you you can be very attacking with three at the back, five at the back, whatever. You can be an attacking team out of just sort of any formation and and have that be your identity uh but arsenal don't really have an identity their identity is to adapt to other teams and as a quote unquote bigger club i think it just doesn't work so my question is what is the manager just lost the plot does the manager need to figure out what arsenal needs to be like how does that go from there so, before Braden answers that question, I am going to add that... The, so, this is exactly the reason I think it's very similar to what happened with Van Hall. Because when you're a result-oriented manager at one point, because you're trying to save your job, you play this brand of football where you're trying to expose the other team, where you forget that you're Man- Manchester United, you forget that you're Arsenal... At times, it has happened with Liverpool before. It's happened. No, definitely, with, yeah, completely. Um, you know, Chelsea before. Yeah. Where managers tend to go back to, you know, they're like, "Hey, let's try to do this, and we can expose them the X, Y, and Z way." And when it doesn't work, the team just doesn't have a plan B at that point because you'd never plan for what's going to happen next. So it feels very eerie to Arsenal right now that. Away form has not been the best suit, even when Wenger was there, and it's not very improved right now. If I had to ask you, like, sum up your thoughts in a minute, what would you say about Arsenal right now? Yeah, I mean, right now, it's it's a team that's in complete disarray. It may have 
uh, unfixable personnel problems. It may have uh, the manager certainly needs to go at this point. Like it, it's just not going to get any better from here on out. It's really hard to see how anything really changes. And so the the thing you have to ask, in my opinion, is at, at what point do you do you make that change? Do you try to rescue anything for the season, or do you just kind of write it off and hope that you get your target next year? I will say to wrap that uh, game up real quick, at the end of the day, Arsenal are still sixth in the league. They're going to go through in the Europa League. And I know it. I know that is not where you want to be. That's not where the squad is. However, when we are talking, when you talk about is the season salvageable, like if, if the manager gets fired, what's going to happen? I, I think it's a pretty decent situation right now. If uh, the manager did get fired, it wouldn't be such a bad situation to come into. But I would love to know your uh, final thoughts on that. The problem is this was the easy part of the schedule. It gets a lot harder going forward. And so that sixth is very deceiving, in my opinion. And so if you look at where we are around Christmas and what we have to play around there, it's a nightmare. And so if you the change the time to make a change was now. So a guy could come in and have a chance to like get a run against Southampton and then get into the tough part of the fixture list. Guys, I want to be weird right here. If you listen to this podcast, this is the part of time you want to listen to this podcast because we're getting into the meat of the season and shit's getting real. And now this is where the real like weird analysis comes out. So this whole Arsenal conversation I'm loving the most, it kind of makes me want to watch Arsenal a little bit more. So yeah, um, again, if you listen to the podcast, I hope you enjoy this part of the season because shit's about to get real. Um, and hopefully like top four wheel for all of us. Let's be real. Top six. I will say one <laughs> final thing to wrap this up. Um, we don't need to keep going on and on. Um, when the Christmas fixtures come through, they will happen and they do look very, very brutal for Arsenal. I do think there is going to be something that galvanizes that team. I don't think it's going to be as bad trouble as you think right now. But that is just my me as a friend being honest right now because I've seen this happen multiple times. Something that I had not seen happen multiple times was a back-to-back at-home great Manchester United performance in a very long time. Against Partizan, very good performance at home in the Europa League. The kids played really well. Against Brighton, it felt different. It was, I think, the first league, first home league game in a while. So the crowd was up for it. And the players from the first minute till the last, it was very good. The first half, we were better. And we, we were up 2-0. And all of a sudden when they scored, it was just like, hey, is it going to be one of those days again? Yeah. And Manchester United went out there in Manchester United fashion when they were threatened. And they just... We could have had five, six, seven goals. I would love to see that one day at Old Trafford. Hopefully one day it'll happen again. But it's... It was some glorious football. I... As much as I want to talk shit about Manchester United, I kind of... This oddly gave me hope for both teams. Uh, as far as United is concerned, I keep calling them Baby United. They keep yelling at me. Producer Justin Spoon. Uh, the average age was 24. It was 23.6, so we round up. Um, but it was a very young team, and they looked very poised. Uh, they looked really good. Like, I can't... I don't... I want to say stuff bad and be a fucking braggart and jerk off all over this, but I can't. They look like a decent side. I will also say that from what I saw from Brighton in this game, I think from what we've been talking about with relegation, Brighton might finish well above relegation. I think there's some more teams in the fight for them. I think Brighton play a decent style of football. I think I I I feel I feel things for Manchester United. Uh, some of them might be puked. Some of them might be happiness. I don't know. Uh, Sometimes the same feeling. But uh, I also feel good things for Brighton. I feel like they might be a team who hang around and they're going to be in the Premier League for another another year. And if they are, the MX might become a fortress. It might be terrible. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Brighton got uh, brought down to reality just a little bit in this game. I, I, don't, I don't think it's anything fatal for them. I think they'll mm-hmm. bounce back. And I think they're a pretty good team. Uh, in fact, that's why I took Brighton to... to 
Let's see. Did I pick them to win this? I picked a draw. I I thought Brighton would go and get a result in this game. Uh, But United kind of look like they've turned a corner here. And, you know, there was talk earlier, especially after the Chelsea game, that, you know, maybe LA wasn't going to be around. But I think he's... I think he's picked out something here, and I think that team is going in the right direction. How far that takes you this year, I'm not entirely sure. But the results are starting to go toward – you guys are creating chances again. Yeah. You're, you're, you're looking better on the metrics and not just the results. And I think that – I think yeah. there's something to build upon here. And maybe you can argue that at home to Brighton isn't – the best litmus See, test here. Yeah, but. I, I agree with that. However, one thing I will say, and I said this on Twitter earlier, we have played some really terrible teams and made them look like prime Pep Guardiola Barcelona against us. Most of my terrible picks, yeah. <laughs> so, like, it's it's actually refreshing for once to do the business. And I think on big chances created of open play, big chances created of set pieces, we're making chances and Solskjaer has said this from the beginning. We need to get those scruffy goals. He said Rashford is always going to score that brilliant goal. And you see that. Every now and then he pops up with one of the best goals you'll see in a while. But the problem is he doesn't build on that with the simple goals. And it happened in this game too. The chance that ended yeah. up being the third goal. He puts it at the bar that goes in barely. You have a very easy chance that could make it four. And that was absolutely brilliant counter-attacking football. Yeah. And he misses an open goal practically. It, it so, was Gervinho-esque. Yeah. Who? God, that's... You know, it's and it, it was that bad. <laughs> and you kind of wonder at times that, like, a guy who scored that banger against Chelsea a week and a half ago is not being able to place the ball in from a yard out. And that was, like... It's fascinating to me what Rashford can and can't You're do. saying that was Adam Lallana-esque. That's what that sounded like to me. Do you missed your chance. I no. really did, damn it. <laughs> you really missed your chance. Damn but, it, I had a... Oh, whatever. I'm, I get to be an asshole a couple minutes. Keep going. <laughs> but I will say this again. Stop playing with my heart, Manchester United. This is... Quit playing games with my uh-huh. heart. Yeah, Backstreet Boys. Come on, boys. Um, Manchester United, end of the day, better team, won the game. This really, and I'm going to keep going back to this, really reminds me of the early Liverpool teams under Jurgen Klopp. Because we're getting results against teams that open up against us. But teams that have that low block where they're just going to sit back and they're going to try to counter, maybe we have absolutely no answer. So we will see. Maybe Pogba's the difference. I, I, Sapoon, I hate agreeing with you, but I, I watched that team. I agree. Like, yeah. And final thing. International break, a lot of our players can get picked up for the international teams that they represent. And I really liked it that a bunch of them took it upon themselves to go to Dubai and have their own like warm weather camp because Manchester is terrible this part of the year. And as bad as Atlanta is freezing outside, I guess. <laughs> it's I mean, I, I think I think that shows you some camaraderie that has been missing at the club for a very long time. So you guys look to enjoy that first goal a lot as far as uh, celebrating with the team. So yeah. yeah. And hopefully when Pogba comes back, he doesn't fuck that up. Yeah. With that, we're gonna move on to the next game. We saw a preview of this in the Carabao Cup. Villa won that game. This time around, Wolverhampton Wonders had different ideas at home. Well, All I right. picked a draw. It was just Wolves were better. They were going to win this game, and they won the game in the Premier League. So all of a sudden, something we had been talking about early on in the season, that are they going to be able to cope with Europa League? Are they going to be able to cope with having all these new fixtures? There's a possible chance that they can still finish in the top six to get back to Europa. As Sapoon, you don't like the old school stats, but I'll hit you at one. Wolves are seven unbeaten in the top flight for the first time since 1974. Again. That's 21 years before I was born. I, it's, it's even longer for me, you young asshole. Um, so I know that means like nothing. I, I don't know how, I don't know how, to, whatever, fine. As a proper scouser, he forgot his math right there. <laughs> one plus one is three, it's fine. Um, for me, I just, now all of a sudden Wolves show up. 
I was really going into this week. I was like, our wolves cannon fodder. I kind of like, they had performances when they wanted to, they didn't this week. They show up. I think this is the death knell for Aston Villa. I think like, I don't, I see a lot of talent in this team. I see a lot of talent to be able to come back when they get relegated this year. They'll spend more money and they'll be able to come back. This Villa team, I've loved them for the first couple of weeks. They're still going to provide danger to teams who are on that, like, 10 below uh, in the Premier League. This is more, like, this is the Wolves we expected when we were talking about earlier in the season. This is what we thought they were going to be. Still solidly mid-table for me. Villa, more indicative of them that I don't, I don't see much more from them. Like there's probably one team on the same level as them. Relegation fire for Villa. That's how I feel. I disagree with that, but I, I, I can see it, but I currently disagree with it. Um, I, one note about Wolves in the Europa League. I read an article in the athletic about Wolves really take, uh, a lot of sports science, things very seriously is yes. when it comes to recovery to the point that they have like separate compression leggings that they wear, depending on whether it's in continental flight or domestic mm-hmm. and things like that. And they, they take that very seriously in a way that I'm not sure that every team is quite at. Mm-hmm. And there seems to be a lot of buy-in from the club uh, as a whole on that. And not just, not just, you know, a few guys saying like, yeah, go, go do that. That's your thing. You yeah. do that. And so I I think you mentioned a stat when we were talking about the betting podcast last week about how many goals Wolves score in the last 10 minutes of games. Yes, yes. And I, I think you see it in some things like yeah. that. And so I think, I think Wolves are well positioned to handle Europa League uh, more so than maybe uh, Arsenal and possibly Man United. We'll see how that goes. <coughs> the whole thing as far as whether they can cope with their squad I think they're okay as far as that goes um, for Villa you know I think it says a little something they didn't create a whole lot in this game but when they went down they, they did come back and, and manage to scrap something from it uh, I think they can I think they kind of take it as a feather in their cap and you know move, move on I don't think they expect to win this game so I don't necessarily know that that's too much for them uh, one thing I will note on this game, we talked about it on the betting podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. The Villa under, the second half <laughs> yep. over. Um, the under was at one goal this week, so it didn't hit. It was That was a push, but the over did hit. It was, it was two and a half. So you can take it as you will. If it's one, if, I, I'm, I'm taking this as if it's at one goal, I'm probably going to look to bet something like uh, more goals scored in the second half than the first half than just the under in the first half, but something to think about. But, but Brayden, that is why you're the betting guru. You know these things that we could not know. And for anyone listening out there, don't pay attention to me. Pay a little bit more attention to Spoon. Pay all the attention to Brayden. This man knows what he's talking about. It's fine. <laughs> well, I mean, it's been a very joyride-ish kind of a way for Aston Villa being back in the Premier League. Yeah. And I think Wolverhampton Wanderers, just a better team. Yeah. And won the game, rightfully. So I'm going to crack open a beer right here because this next oh game boy. deserves a beer in itself. Liverpool 3-1 victors against Manchester City. Pep Guardiola losing his mind, people losing their mind about VAR. I'm going to go with Braden first because I need some you, sane reaction first. You best. Before <laughs> I, actually, fuck it. Let's go with the crazy reaction. What's up? What's up, Will? Oh, God, I get to be fucking American black troops for Liverpool right now. Um, all right. I got a couple points. I'm going to make them real quick so I don't spend too much time on me. Um, Fabinho's goal, VAR. It's a handball to a handball. I understand why they give it. I also don't understand why they give it. I feel like that may have been called back, but like still a tremendous hit from Fabinho. Let's talk about Fabinho being the dude on that team. We needed a piece that could link the attack, the tremendous attack we have to the defense we have. That's Fabinho. That's that dude. 
If he is not your MVP, if you're listening out there and you love Liverpool, if he's not your MVP of the season, bro, you have to watch the same games. Um, City have a lot of penalty shouts, and they have a lot of shouts that should have gone to VAR that didn't. And I completely stand stand here as a Liverpool fan saying, hey, City kind of got a wee bit job. A wee bit job as far as the reviews go. As far as our play goes, I think... I've been saying watch out for City's defensive woes. I've been saying watch out for their like frailties in City's team. Uh, we got extremely lucky and full marks to Ederson. Hope you're back soon. Uh, one of the things I will stick by, I was talking about, I was like, Claudio Bravo is like the class of MLS and he's a dude. And then he gave up two goals that Allison, my wife, was just kind of like, Wah! and I was like, yeah, I know that's like an idiot. But that was me trying to be nice. I I'm on a Liverpool high as shit right now. Feels fantastic. As far as City go, all of a sudden you need to watch out for City maybe battling for three and four. I think there's a lot of quality in Leicester. I think there's a lot of quality in Chelsea. I think this is the this is finally a time where that city team kind of has the so so the pet moment where they don't know how to do it. According to what you're saying before Brandon goes on. Just to clarify right now. But what you're saying, if City's not challenging up there and they're worried about finishing third and fourth, and if third is in the equation at that point, that basically means there is no second team up there. So you, you're saying Liverpool is by far the favourites right now to win the title. Just yes or no. That is that what you meant? Bro, you know I can't do a yes or no on this, but I'm going to say yes. Okay. I think I, it is. Yeah, Brayden, you go before I make myself sound dumb. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think that is an overreaction to this game. Um, I I think this was, I, despite the scoreline, I think this is one that either team could have won. Like, it's... They miss a lot of chances. They, they miss chances. VAR could have made a difference. In, you ain't on wrong. both you ain't sides. Wrong. You ain't wrong. <laughs> um, but you know that's sometimes how this game goes. You win some, you shouldn't. You lose some, you shouldn't. And this is a big one for Liverpool to win. I I worry for Chelsea this week, <laughs> or not this week, but after the international yeah, yeah, break. Yeah. Um, I, I have a feeling City's going to go out and try to score six and work out some feelings on them. Um, Kevin De Bruyne. Is he gonna? He I saw not a lot from him in that last match. Is this the next match? Is one he shows up and goes out and does his business? I I just think they're gonna be very focused and very, uh, you know, it's it's still just one game and it's a it's a it's a war of attrition over the season yeah. and you know City have had a number of players out. They've had to piecemeal the back line. If they get the guys back at the right time and they're still in touching distance, who knows if Liverpool gets some bad injury luck in there, which could really cause a problem. Salah is apparently hurt. So, so I don't I, know how serious that is because it's international break. He's It's the same angle he's been bothered with the entire season. Uh, it's If you've ever played uh, Operation, fluid on the knee. Apparently Salah's got like flu. No, it's a real thing. He's got fluid on the ankle. They've been releasing it, and he feels fine. Then it comes back, and he doesn't feel the same. It's a weird thing. I'm being scouts as shit. Sapuni, you go ahead and do your like. <laughs> I, Salah will be fine as long as he can keep draining it off of him, or it doesn't become a serious thing where he pops in and it gets weird. We'll we'll see what happens, but I'm not one to be crowning champions in November. However, that did feel like a win. Where, <coughs> excuse me. It's going to sound very weird coming out. He's choking because he doesn't want to say it. Um, If everything goes the way it has been so far, I think this should be a title wrapped up. I think one of the biggest problems that Liverpool is going to face coming up is when they go for the Club World Cup, when they have those fixture concessions, and we already have that in England. So... What basically happens for Liverpool at that point is it's not just the Christmas time that they're going to have a fixture congestion in. They're going to have that at a different point in the season when Champions League is back, when all the other tournaments are up there. And 
that is why I think right now you're seeing them linked with the likes of Ryan Frazier and everyone to get some bench strength, I think, up there. To get some proven, at the end of the day, proven Premier League players who can get out there and if it's needed in the FA Cup, if it's needed in the Champions League, maybe go do something. I, like, I, they're, for me... Just like a scouser, connect me up. I mean, you know what? (laughs) Sometimes it should happen. I'm going to, I think there are moves that need to be made by the team in the winter time to kind of shore up this team, mostly because I think with the from I mean, last shoring up the team at that point, it's just shoring up the squad. Sure, you have because to, I think because you, you're starting two different squads in two different games. And, and again, have, the, the, this for some reason just feels like Liverpool being Liverpool is going to have a collapse, <laughs> and just like Arsenal being Arsenal had the collapse in 2016, the 15 16 season, and Leicester ended up winning the league. I would not be surprised if there's a dark horse in there that. I'm pretty sure Spurs or even Man City at that point as Braden said if they're in touching distance later on because I just I just refuse to believe that Liverpool is going to keep walking with the title because as they, they, fan, create I don't as many, no, no, wait, they create as many big chances as Manchester United do they create as many like big opportunities from outside set pieces open plays everything as Manchester United do so when I look at that I basically think they have been very clinical and I just highly doubt that you can keep that level of being clinical throughout the season. And at the same time, Manchester City, who have created the big, most big chances by far and have also missed the most big chances by far, are in that conversation of, hey, what if when their defenders come back, they go on a run in January? Because I have seen Ferguson teams back in the day that could come back from a 10-point deficit. And this City team, if they get the right thing going again... But has Pep ever done this where he's had to come back from this sort? Like, I think last year. You, got, you guys, even if you had played more games at that point, having more points makes had, a difference in the title race. They still had Trust this, it from a fan who's won the title. I, boo. I, Brayden I, will agree with me. That you would rather be in a position where you have the points than you don't. I really, I feel like this is the, around the time for Pep teams that Pep loses a little bit of the squad. Like the the only time he has the only two times he's not won the league, one was a Jose Mourinho Real Madrid team that went like hundred points and whatnot, and the second time was Leicester. So Leicester's an Leicester is an anomaly, but if you look in his coaching history before, like he has three or four seasons of just like putting his dick down, I'm amazing, and all of a sudden Real Madrid gets better. All of a sudden, fucking Dortmund gets but to it. But that's what I'm saying, though. He's and only he's, ever lost the league twice in this, his career. In his career, so are, this, are you questioning this be, his? This could be three. This could be three. Okay. The the there may have not been the class in the middle of the league that could have held him back like it was in the other ones. I think there's there's something to be said about Pep losing his not losing his mind. I don't want to say he lost his mind. All right, Joe Gomez and Raheem Sterling lost their minds. It's whatever. <laughs> uh, scratch underneath. Yeah, good lord. I think there's something to be said about Pep having this, like, I have to do all of this. Uh, I also, I'm also of the ilk that Manchester City are probably about to win a Champions League, but I won't say Oh, that fuck off. Much. I'm standing by it, dude. I think they're going to win the Champions League. If that League. happens, I'm going to throw you out that window, and I will pay whatever their power charges are. So, just to kind of... Not even my medical bill. <laughs> just to kind of uh, interject on that, I, I get what you're saying, and I do think it's much easier to... Uh, get to the top than it is to stay at the top. Uh, So I think that favors Liverpool a little bit in this conversation. I don't, I just can't look at what city are doing so far this year and think that they're done. I I think they've had some bad luck with injuries. I think if they can get some of that straightened out and we know they're going to spend money in January. We know that's coming. And I keep trying to deny myself that, but yeah. However, but who are they going to sign? They, because everybody they're going to sign are they have to come in knowing a bomb short term replacement. I don't know. But no, uh, they don't need an attacking player. So th- th- that's what I think is becoming very interesting at this point. Where Manchester City's recruitment, where they have gone on and get some very decent guys, even Rodrigo um, has been very very good for them. The problem is becoming that they don't have enough defenders and it has been their Achilles heel for a very long time 
And to be honest, right now, as a Manchester United fan, if the Manchester derby was this weekend, whether it was at Etihad or uh, at Old Trafford, I would go in feeling confident that we can get a at least a draw against this team. And that's not something, as a United fan, I've felt in a very long time. The City team feel vulnerable. They feel yes. vulnerable. And I, I just think they miss a leader who got them together last year. Because you saw this at, towards the end of the season. They were starting to crumble They're missing Vincent company. Yeah. They're missing company at the back to be like, hey, guys, come on. This is how we play. We play the City way. They're missing that dude who can spark them. And that is the reason that I'm really high on my own team. I'm also really high on the other teams because I have no faith in anything. I'm from Cleveland. I have no faith in any sports. But hey, it's been a very interesting time. First ever cricket World Cup for England. So there yes. have been a lot of firsts happening in sports. He's saying my things. this past decade. Joffrey Archer is a Manchester United fan, but he's still my dude. Uh, what I was trying to bring that to is it's going to be an end of a decade uh, after this international break because the next one is going to be in 2020. So we're going to have some really fascinating things up for you in the next podcast because we don't have betting coming up in the next one. Stay tuned. We'll have a lot of interesting stuff for you all. Oh, it's going to be great. (laughs) Yeah. And hey, another decade, another no title for Liverpool. I hate you. That's great going. Cheers, guys. Whoops. Cheers. 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 Cheers, boys.